In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Robert Clapper is the head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai Medical Center. Each Saturday morning, and it's time for Dr. Clapper. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> this is the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Yes, Doc, I love your show. Thank you. Um, now here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition, the Memorial Day edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 31 years, 15,000 surgeries. It's so much fun. I'm a carpenter in the body. I love it. I'm so excited for today's show. At 8.15, we have the reggae group Ayatera calling in. They're my favorite L.A. band. I feel like we adopted them years ago when they first started, and and now uh, they're no longer a startup struggling band. They are the real deal, truly successful, and a huge following of fans. So I asked bass guitarist Nick Laporcio recently, what have you learned from this success? And he said how important it is to be kind, kindness. I thought about that for days. Of all the things he could have said to me, he talked about being kindness associated with being successful. That was special. And it made me think all week about the world of art, the world of sports, and certainly my world of surgery. Where do we see the kindness that comes from being successful? Well, in sports, my favorite story is that of Shaq. I remember when Dr. Buss had a cut cost during the strike. I think it was 1999. And he laid off. He had to. He laid off lots of employees, including a towel guy that Shaq just loved. And the interview with this employee has always struck me. The towel guy said, Shaq, the only thing bigger than Shaq was his heart because Shaq saves his job. He told Dr. Buss, if you're going to let him go, then I'm going to hire him. The key to Shaq's kindness is that he gives it, he gives his money, philanthropy, quietly. It's a beautiful thing. And in a minute, you're going to hear about him talking about where it comes from in his heart and how important it is for him to do it behind the scenes. Well, in art, my favorite example of success and kindness is the trumpet player, Herb Alpert. He made hundreds of millions of dollars by not only selling 73, 73 million records with his band, the Tijuana Brass, but as a businessman, he started the record label A&M Records. The A is for Alpert. The M is for Moss, his friend. And they sold their record company to Polygram Records for a half a billion dollars. Later in his life, he's 85 years old now, he quietly saved a music school in Harlem that was closing because of budget cuts by writing them a check for $5 million. And in a minute, you're going to hear the story of Herb Alpert. It's just beautiful. And in surgery, I think I might save it for 715, but it's a story in my life. The day in my busy office, in walks a priest, a priest who told me he's expecting me to do his surgery tomorrow because he has to leave the country to run an orphanage in South Africa for HIV children. 
I think I'll save that for 715. You have to hear that story about success in surgery and kindness. Clapper Vision, it's going to be about, I'm back in the operating room. It's so exciting to be back using my hands to heal. And I did all kinds of outpatient surgeries this week. So many ACLs, rotator cuffs. And I wanted to give you a Clapper Vision about the new tools we have to fix a rotator cuff without having to open the shoulder up like we used to. And the Clapper Vision is, you know when you have a, a suitcase or an attache case and it's stuffed too much with books and articles and you could barely close it, that clicker has to go into the locking mechanism. You have to pull the top of the suitcase so you can click it. Well, we have a tool now that allows us to pull the rotator cuff that's pulled away from the bone and click it into the bone like you're clicking and closing that suitcase. It's an incredible advance in our technology. It comes from a company called Arthrex, which I love, that makes most of the tools that all of us all over the world who do sports medicine use. God bless their, that company and Reinhold, the man who actually created Arthrex. But let's get right into today's show. It's all about kindness from being so successful. And let's listen first to Shaq Gives Back, number five. People call it giving back. This is what I'm supposed to do. Supposed to do it because my mother told me to do it. Mom says, you need to go back and fix that place up. You need to go back to Newark and fix Newark up. You know, I see a you know, family that don't have a house. Handle that. So all the stuff that I'm doing, some people may call it giving back, but I'm taking orders from the person who, who raised me, Lucille O'Neill Harrison. But let's not forget how much credit Shaq gives to his dad, his stepdad, who really raised him, the man he considers his father. Let's listen to Shaq helping others. Let's do number one. He's driving and he sees a homeless guy in some army fatigues. Like if he ever saw a guy in army fatigues, he's pulling over. So he sees a guy. He makes a U.E. in the middle of the street. He's talking to this guy. And he recognized the platoon that the guy was from. Man, I know. I know did you know what? Yeah, I knew him and then there. So the guy was down on his luck. And my father had, we had like five double cheeseburgers left. My father had 20 of them. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, what are you doing, bro? I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat that later. When y'all go to sleep, after everybody get there, I'm going to eat. What are you doing? Like This, by the way, is from an interview with Graham Belsinger, who I love. All right, let's go to number two. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, selfish at this point. Like, we, you finally get some change. I get to, I get to stop eating army crackers and army cheese. I want, this is my food. So he gives the guy the food and he gets in the car and he slams the door and he got a little tear in his eye and he just looks and says, if you ever make, make, and like I remember these words, if you ever make a big time, make sure you help those in eat. And then on, uh, Thanksgiving, you know, he would go to the barracks, round up the troops and we would go, we'd have blankets, we'd have all the army rations that, that, that they were getting ready to throw away. Whatever we can, spam, peanut butter, bread, give it to the homeless people. So those are three things that I do today. It's very important for him to do it behind the scenes. And he really doesn't appreciate when people do it in a fake way. Let's listen. Number four, please. Like sometimes when, when I see people doing charities, I could tell they're just doing it for, for the moment. Like, for example, whenever it's a hurricane relief thingy, thingy, people who you never see do anything, all of a sudden they just pop up. And they're tweeting about it. Like I, I, I get, like I tell people all the time, I do a lot of stuff seen and unseen. Like it doesn't matter to me if you know that I just fed 10,000 homes. That, that, I'm doing this because this was, was what I was taught. I'm doing it because to walk in there and see a family put a smile on their face for a day, that's, that, that's just, that's just awesome to me. And that's what the Bible says. It says that when you give, 
you should give anonymously. That's the best way to give a charity. Let's do number five, please. One time, a grandmother had a had a kid that couldn't walk. I bought her a van. And see, like these are stories that you'll never hear. I, I bought her a van. Just the other day, I get a I get an email. A little beautiful, and I, and I'll give you her mother's number so you can talk to her. A little beautiful girl that has cancer, A. Marie. So the mom hits me in the email. I don't know if this is your email, but my daughter, she calls you Bubby. She would like to see you. I'm in L.A. Number six. So I hit her back. I'll be in L.A. I'm, I'm going to come see you. This isn't Shaq. I'm like, all right, whatever you say. <laughs> so I go see her, and she wasn't doing well before before I wanted to go see her. So now that I went to see her, her spirits are up. She's happy. I told her to hang in there. And, you know, just just seeing the kid, kid smile. Just seeing the kid smile. I, uh, it's fulfilling to me, you know, to, to know that, that a former high level juvenile delinquent who all the experts said was going to be in the army like his father, who all the people said he was going to be a bum, all the people said he wasn't going to do anything, is now the guy that's, that's making kids all around the world smile. That's my thing. I just want to make you smile. God bless you, Shaq. You're amazing. Where in art do I find that success led to kindness of a tremendous extent. Let's listen to the horn playing The Lonely Bull by Herb Alpert from 1962. This is a Jewish guy from Boyle Heights. Calls his band the Tijuana Brass because he goes to a bullfight. He's eight years old and says, those horns in the crowd, that's what I want to do with my life. The fact that he's not Mexican and he's a Jewish guy from Boyle Heights doesn't stop him. Listen to The Lonely Bull. He's 85 years old now. Well, boy, did he make it big. Sold 73 million records. Let's listen to the story of Herb Alpert. Let's go to Herb Alpert, CBS, number one. Miles Davis said you hear three notes and you know it's Herb Alpert. Yeah. Where does that style come from? It's just the real me. I'm not affecting anything. It's just the way the sound comes out. You know, my one of my teachers used to tell me, hey man, you're just playing a piece of plumbing. <laughs> That's how he described it. I want to jump it. <laughs> that piece of plumbing has served him well. Six top ten hits, eight Grammys. His unique south-of-the-border sound selling more than 70 million albums. Quite an accomplishment for a shy Jewish kid from East L.A. Mm. This, by the way, is courtesy CBS Sunday Morning. Let's go to number two. My father was born in, in Russia, from a little town outside of Kiev. My mother was uh, from Lower East Side of New York. Mm -hmm. I'm not uh, Hispanic, and I know a lot of people think that You're I am. You're not Hispanic? Herb Alpert's not Hispanic? No. The Tijuana Brass? No. <laughs> he picked up the trumpet at age eight and never put it down. But he didn't discover the sound that would make him famous until his mid-twenties while attending a bullfight in Mexico. Wait till you hear this, number three. Tijuana had some world-class matadors. Then the this trumpet section in the stands, you know, they would announce the different programs, the different events in, in the bullfight. You know, like, da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I got kind of uh, chill bumped from all that stuff, and uh, I tried to translate the feeling of those afternoons to a song. 
And boy, did he. The Lonely Bull, number four. The Lonely Bull was a top ten hit in 1962, and with the money it brought in, Alport and a friend, Jerry Moss, decided to produce the next album themselves. Alport and Moss formed the now legendary A&M Records. During the next three decades, A&M would release more than 30 Herb Alpert albums. But the number one song in his whole career was one that he didn't play the trumpet on. It's a song in 1968 that Burt Backrack wrote for him. He sang it on a TV special. People loved it so much, he released it as a record. And it became his first number one record, biggest Selling, I shouldn't say first number, his biggest selling record. Let's listen to number five. You see this guy. This is Herb Alpert. This guy's in love with you. In 1968, he had a number one hit as a singer. In love. A popular TV show, The Dating Game, used his tunes as its theme music. And then... He begins to become the master at spotting talent. Who does he sign? The Carpenters for his new record label. Let's listen to number six. Well, I signed the Carpenters in, in 1969 or 1970. It was Albert who convinced Karen and Richard Carpenter to record the song that would make them superstars. When that song happened, all of a sudden... I turned into a genius to the people that <laughs> didn't like them. <laughs> he didn't just turn into a genius. He turned into a guy who could sell his record company for a half a billion dollars to Polygram Records. Number seven. By 1989, Albert had had it with the music industry. And when giant Polygram Records made an offer he couldn't refuse, he didn't. Albert and Moss sold A&M for a reported $460 million. Came out okay in this deal. It came out okay, yeah. But now is when the kindness enters. What do you do with this massive success? This is a beautiful story. Number eight. Herb and Lonnie had it made, and they knew it. So they decided to start giving back. In 1988, they established the Herb Alpert Foundation. So far, they've given away more than $100 million, promoting education in the arts. Welcome to our home, uh, our musical home in Harlem. One of his most recent causes is New York's Harlem School of the Arts, a neighborhood fixture since 1964. Last spring, hard times forced the school to shut its doors. 3,000 miles away, Alpert read about it in the newspaper. Mm. The kindness enters the picture. Number nine. Herb woke up one morning and saw the headline that the school was going to close. And he said, that can't happen. And they wrote a check for a half million dollars. Just out of the blue? Out of the blue. Charles Hamilton is the school's chairman. Without Herb Alpert, this school would be closed today. We owe that. We owe a great debt of thanks to him for that. Now you'll hear from Herb himself about how blessed he feels to be able to give back. Number 10. I am so blessed. And I just feel compelled to pass it on. This is what it's all about. Wow. It's just been very fulfilling. And then just walk through this facility and talk to the people involved. I mean, it's chilling for me. I know this sounds a little corny, but I, 
I get it. I dig it. What a beautiful guy. Herb Alpert, the Tijuana Brass. I may tell a story coming up next about what happened to me in kindness and being successful. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And we got to talk about food today. The greatest chocolate donut. Yes, I know all about Krispy Kreme. Yes, I love Good Time Donuts and Ventura. But the greatest chocolate donut that I had as a child, you can now get here in Los Angeles at the market at Gelson's. Wait till I tell you about this. And for your Memorial Day barbecue, what could you do to a hot dog that takes it to a whole nother level? Like takes it to the world of Thai food with that spicy peanut butter sauce. I did that this week. I'm going to tell you what to put on your hot dog that'll blow your mind for your Memorial Day barbecue. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm still quelling. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Listen to these guys. They're fantastic. The great Ayaterra. My favorite L.A.-based band. And they'll be my guests. All five of them are calling in. And a conference call at 8.15. I cannot wait to talk to the guys. They're the big deal now. But what Nick Laportio told me, what they have learned in becoming successful is to be kinder, and it's just struck me. And that's today's show. When you do become successful, it's important to give back. Just like Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, just like Shaquille O'Neal. The number is 877-710-ESPN, and I'll give you a story. You heard it in sports, you heard it in art, here it is in surgery. I have so many stories I could tell you. I'm in my office I'm a big shot now. The waiting room's filled with people who waited a while to come see me. And i got six exam rooms. It's just me. I have a whole staff, but it's not like I'm part of a big group. It's me. Pretty much old school, the way I love it. I don't have a computer answering the phone. It's me. There's no robot who's going to do your surgery. It's me. And I go into room three, and there is a priest. He has his collar and... It's with a big, beautiful, smiling face. I walk in the room. Good morning, Father. How can I help you? Dr. Clapper, I can't walk anymore without severe pain. I'm limping. My knee is swollen. And I heard you're the guy who can help me. It'll be my pleasure, Father. I'm happy to help. Let me look at your x-ray. So I turn and I look up the x-ray, and he has no cartilage left. Giant bone spurs. He's bone on bone. Looks like a hand grenade went off in his knee. Working hard his whole life. I sit him down on the exam table, and then I lie him down, and I do my physical exam. He's seen a whole bunch of people. They've given him cortisone shots in the past, which you know I hate. And I look at him, and I said, well, and he says, listen, Dr. Clapper, I know you're busy. Your waiting room's filled with people. I just want you to know I'm here for you to do surgery. Okay, Father, be my pleasure. My surgery scheduling list, you can only imagine, is pretty full. Then he says to me, looks me in the eye and says, and I need you to do my surgery 
tomorrow. <laughs> I look at him and I start laughing because, I don't know, it's a couple of months at least of people waiting to have surgery. And I operate Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And he's literally saying to me, I came here today expecting you to do surgery tomorrow. I already have a full day. I'm not going to be able to do that. I look at him, I go, you really think I'm going to be able to do this tomorrow? This is the first moment I'm meeting you. He goes, yes, and let me tell you why. Because I'm leaving in two weeks. I have my airline ticket, and I'm never coming back here. I'm moving. The church is moving me to South Africa, where I will be running an orphanage for a hundred children who have HIV, who are orphans because their parents died of HIV. HIV is rampant in Africa. And I will be running this orphanage. They need me and they're waiting for me, but I got to be able to walk. So my flight is in two weeks. I figured you'll do the surgery tomorrow and then I'll be able to make my flight. At this point, I'm like, my head is spinning. You talk about divine intervention, literally. At this very moment, there's a knock on the door. It's my office manager, Bibi. Dr. Clapper? Yes. She's only banging on the door if it's an emergency. She has no idea of the conversation that's just gone on in my exam room because she's been busy doing work. She bangs on the door. She says, I just want you to know, Dr. Clapper, one of the four cases for tomorrow just called. He got the flu. He's coughing and he can't, he can't make it. He's not getting cleared for surgery tomorrow. So one of the four cases is canceled. This is what she says to me at the door of the exam room. I look at the priest now and I said to him, did you have anything to do with this guy getting the flu? <laughs> he puts his hands up. No, Dr. Clapper, I didn't do anything. I didn't wish harm on anybody. I'm a priest. I started laughing. He starts laughing. I said, well, I've never really done this before, meeting someone on a Tuesday and operating on them on a Wednesday for an elective procedure like this. Emergencies I've done. I said, if you can get to talk to Kalpari and get the pre-op, his office will accommodate you right now, and he clears you? He's just probably a 72-year-old man. I said, then I'll do your surgery tomorrow. Sure enough, he goes next door. Dr. Kalpari, my favorite internist, clears him, and I operate on him literally the next day. Eleven days later, I look at his wound in the office. He's healing beautifully, and that's it. A year later, I'm in my office in a big manila envelope comes to my office, addressed to me, and the address on the top, the sender, I see it has all these fancy stamps because it's from South Africa. A year later, in the mail, he sends me this manila envelope. I open it up, and inside is a photograph of him in the middle of 100 little South African children with big smiles on their faces, and the biggest smile on the face of this priest, and with a Sharpie magic marker, he wrote across the picture, Dear Dr. Clapper, thank you for everything. I'm doing great. And he signed it. Kindness with success. That's what we're going to talk about today. I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The most gifted physical specimen I've ever seen. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. This is Rise from Herb Albert. What a special man. So successful in the art world. But what he learned is how important it is when you are successful to be kind and give back. And that's what we're talking about today. At 8.15, my guest will be the reggae band from L.A., Aya Terra, I-Y-A-T-E-R-R-A. Don't miss it. Be listening. I got to talk about food, my favorite chocolate donut, and the most incredible thing you can do with a hot dog for your barbecue for Memorial Day. But the clinic's open right now, and I want to talk about surgeries that I did this week. Do some clap revision with you. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Aaron. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you, Aaron? What? How are you doing? I'm good. How old are you, Aaron? Uh, 34. 34. What do you do for a living? Pharmacy tech. Really? Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about where you grew up. What high school did you go to? What did your father do for a living? Uh, I went to Westchester uh, High, and uh, my dad, he was a truck driver. Really? So he must yeah. be so proud that you went to school and using your brain to make a living, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's what my dad told me. He was a carpenter. He said to me, Robin, use your brain to make a living. Look at how dirty I am, filthy I am, calluses all over my hands. Listen, oh, use yeah, your brain man. to make a living as well there as you your go. hands. So yeah, I became man. a surgeon, just like you. Good for you. Good for you, Aaron. And what sport do you like to do? Uh, I like basketball, uh, basketball and football. So how tall are you? How much do you weigh? I'm uh, 6'2", and um, my, I'm going to say between <laughs> two. 290 and 300. Wow. When you were playing football in high school, how much did you weigh and how tall were you? Um, I was about, what, 5'9", five, 5'9", nine, five, nine, almost 6", and um, I was about 260. Were you a running back? No, I played, um, I was tackle and uh, tight end sometimes. And did you play with anybody who's now playing on Sundays? No, not not. A, not in football. Uh, basketball, it's a couple of basketball players that really? end up uh, going to the NBA. Really? Who are they? Uh, Amir Johnson. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Gabe Pruitt. Did you watch the Last Dance show with Michael Jordan? I didn't finish it yet, though. I'm on episode five, so I plan on finishing it over the weekend. With the you know, I watched last night his Hall of Fame speech. Did you ever see his Hall of Fame speech? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he brings the guy who took his place on the high school basketball team <laughs> and he's at his Hall of Fame speech pointing to the guy going, they cut me so that you could be on the team. <laughs> it's classic Michael Jordan. Oh, God. But you know what? When you watched him give that talk at Kobe Bryant's funeral, oh. that's when you realize how real and special Michael Jordan really was and is to our beloved Kobe Bryant. And for that reason, I will love Michael Jordan for the rest of my life because of how much we all love Kobe Bryant. Did you ever see any Laker games with Kobe Bryant? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plenty of Laker games. I, I'm I'm not a, a Laker fan necessarily. I'm more of a Clipper fan. Well, but, um, how could you not be a Clipper fan that Jerry West is there and the owner that they got, they're trying to become the Lakers uh, Showtime of old. God bless yeah. Steve Ballmer and what he's doing. 
it's about time for the Clippers, though, because I've been a Clipper fan since Lloyd Vaught. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> about time. <laughs> well, Marcellus Wiley is a good friend of mine, and when he was on the radio with Max and Marcellus and all these years, he never stopped being a Clipper fan. And you know what? For Marcellus Wiley and for you, Aaron, as a Laker fan, I give you a lot of credit because you're not on the bandwagon. You've been Clipper well, fans let me tell all you another, Let me tell you another team I'm a fan of that, uh, you know, a lot of people give me grief over. I'm a Raider fan also, and I'm a Dodger fan. And Dodgers have broke my heart for the last 10 years. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, the fact that we couldn't watch Vin Scully do the games on TV has got to make you bitter inside, I bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For, for All right, what would you do to yourself, Aaron? How can I help you? So maybe for the last maybe month and a half, whenever I'm walking, like, because at work I, I walk a lot, like when I'm delivering the meds to the floors and stuff, mm-hmm. Um a lot of times in my thigh, like on the front end of my thigh, I feel like uh like electric shock sometimes. And it hurts, but it's like, I, like when I rub it, like I don't feel anything. Like it's not swollen. I feel like it's deep inside. Like, so do you ever feel it in the groin? Does it go, go that high up in your thigh, or it's in the mid portion uh, of your thigh? I feel it like from the like the front middle of my thigh, maybe up to like my hip. Like, okay. So, but it's not. It's not like a regular thing. It's. I think it's more of like an exertion type thing or something. Okay, it could be. You know, there's a, there's a great expression in pharmacy world and in my world of surgery. When you hear hoofbeats, don't right away think of zebras. They're horses. Huh. Think of the things that are most likely going on. They give you anterior thigh pain. We're not talking about your buttock. We're not talking about your hamstring. We're not talking about your knee or your calf. What could cause pain in the thigh? So in my, and they call it a differential diagnosis. And by the way, there's a book I wrote with Linda Yui called Heal Your Hips. You should get a copy of this book. Give the money to the homeless. That book will explain to you the anatomy of all things that are around the thigh, from the muscles that are there, why do people with a bad hip get knee pain, But most importantly, how important it is at your age, you're still young, but how important it is to exercise cross training, more pool exercise, riding the bike, stay away from the treadmill, lunges, squats, stair machines, and a weight. You're still so young, you can get away with it, but you are overweight and you got to be careful because as you get older, you're less good at handling all that excess weight. And that's yeah. not just me criticizing you. I weigh too much also. The problem is the food's too good, and I'm about to talk about my favorite chocolate donut and how to eat a hot dog on Memorial Day. So I don't worry. It's like when you live in a glass house, you better not throw stones. I ain't throwing stones at you. I'm just as guilty, but what can we do? So yeah. let's just go through it. People come to me all the time, and they say their hip hurts. They point to one of three places. Their groin with pain radiating down the front of their thigh, that pain comes from the ball and socket joint of their hip. Could be the meniscus in the hip called the labrum, could be early arthritis, and that pain travels down the quadriceps muscle, the portion called the rectus femoris, and you get the thigh pain in the mid-thigh, but it's because it originates from the damage and inflammation that comes from the hip joint. They'll also say their hip hurts, they point to the side of their hip. That's a bursitis. In my opinion, it never needs surgery. I hate cortisone shots. And don't let the doctor you're going to be seeing 
talk you into any kind of shots of stem cells and cortisone, no needles into your body. Be holistic. And as okay. far as the third area they'll point to, they'll say my hip hurts and they point to their buttock. That person's pain is coming from their lower back. Now, in rarer cases, because typically when you herniate a disc, it's L4, L5, it's L5S1. This is the classic sciatica where the pain goes down the back of your thigh, your calf, into your toes. But guess what, Aaron? If you've got a disc that's herniated up above L2, L3, L3, L4, that is pinching the nerve that actually feeds the quadriceps muscle, that feeds the psoas, the hip flexors. And when you irritate that nerve, even though there's nothing the matter with your quad muscle or your hip joint, but the electrical supply and the feedback to your brain, remember, nerves do two things. They not only allow you to tell you, your brain telling through the nerve the muscle to move, to straighten, or bend your knee. But if I touch your quad with something hot or something cold or rubbing against something, the feedback of touch that you're being touched goes to your brain. So the nerve, people need to realize, is a two-way street. A nerve is not a one-way street where you turn, is a clapper vision. Electricity in your house, you turn the switch on, the electricity is a one-way street because it goes to the light bulb through the wire cord and turns the light on. But the light bulb is not giving you feedback to the switch on the wall. There's no return information through the wire in your house. The miracle of whoever made our bodies, which is why I love being a doctor, and to understand and learn about it is the wiring in your house that turns on the light has the wires giving information back to the brain from the light bulb. In other words, you get afferent and efferent, the pathways to and from. And if you have an L2, 3, L3, 4 disc, you're going to get thigh pain, even though there's nothing to matter with those muscles. That's my second thing on your list of what's causing. The third thing, Aaron, do you wear a belt? Uh, no, I have, um, like at work, I have scrubs on, so it's just like the... Good, because the let me tell you thing. something. When you wear scrubs and you make that, and I wear scrubs too, if you make that string too tight and it's wrapping it around right around your waist, there are cutaneous nerves there. They're called the clunial nerves. And you can actually get something called neuralgia parasthetica, where you can actually get a numbness in the feeling in the front of your thigh from literally oh. wearing a belt that's too tight or the uh -huh. string that's too tight. So is it your back? Is it your hip? Is it just from wearing a belt that's too tight? Those are my three things. At this that, point, you think that's what it is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's easy. Yeah. Then stop doing that for a few weeks. See if it goes away. If not, then you need to be examined. You need an X-ray. Well, you need an exam. The, the thing is, it doesn't. It it happens. It happens at work mainly. Then um, it's from your pants being too tight. Believe yeah. it or not, that's what yeah. it's from, Aaron. Now I want you okay. to do me a favor, Aaron. I just helped you. You're a total stranger today. To thank me, you're going to find a total stranger and do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. And thanks for listening to the show. You listen to the show on Saturdays? Oh, yeah. I, get off, I get off work. I get off work at, uh, six. So, um, what's your favorite story home. I've told? Ah, uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> too many stories, Aaron. It is too many stories. It's too many to think of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you on the phone. It's a pleasure to meet you on the radio. 
and take care. If it doesn't get one, better, one then please thing. let me know. What, what was the name of that book again? Heal Your Hips. Heal Your Hips. Okay. You can find it on Amazon. Dr. Clapper and Linda Yui. It's okay, a, thank something you, I'm very proud of. You read that book, it'll show you exercise and explain the anatomy. Thanks so much for checking in, Aaron. I appreciate it. All right, Warriors. I appreciate the it. Num- thank you. You're very welcome, sir. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.